welcome to the First Lutheran Church located at 512 South Kale Avenue in Miles City with pastoral services provided by Pastor Steve Rice. Luke writes, just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back I will repay you whatever you spend. Which of these three do you think? was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers. He said, The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated and a good and good morning. To those here gathered, those listening by means of the radio broadcast, and those who may well listen to uh, this portion of our time together by means of the podcast, uh, information about which is in your bulletin. And uh, we take a few moments for consideration of the, uh, the gospel lesson, and certainly you recognize it as among the best known of Jesus's parables, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, that, uh, uh, that phrase, even, the Good Samaritan, has found its way into even secular precincts uh, in the country, around the world. Uh, the Good Samaritan, less celebrated, but really where we need, I think, to spend some attention, intentional time this morning uh, is the man who gave rise to the exchange. Remember, he was a real flesh and blood person uh, about whom our Lord had concern uh, and had this exchange. Uh, the Samaritan gets all the press and all of the notoriety, but really didn't exist at all, did he? He was the 
he was a, a creation in a parable to illustrate something for benefit of a very real man in a very real circumstance. And so let's take a look at that as Luke um, opens this uh, portion of his gospel in this way. He writes, just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, uh, the question could be interpreted as this man asking Jesus, what must I do to be part of the kingdom of God? And as I understand it, the man being a lawyer, no lawyer at trial ever asks a question of a witness, the answer to which is not already known to the lawyer. Questioning questions themselves can be a kind of test, a kind of challenge. Okay? And it appears to me that the man who stood to ask Jesus, what must I do, already knew the answer. Okay? He was testing Jesus and confirmed this by Jesus' response. And Jesus wasn't there to be tested. Question for question. What must I do? What is written in the law? What do you read? The master of the law, the lawyer, next paraded his legal acumen in the reply, while you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. Lawyers always are very keen on things of the mind. Pause (laughs) on your neighbor as yourself. Ever notice how it's never the first thing that gets brought up? The word neighbor as yourself hangs as almost an afterthought on the part of the lawyer. And at this point, you can almost feel the tables beginning to turn for Jesus' next words dangled like a juicy piece of bait before a hungry fish. You've given the right answer. Do this and you will live. Then Jesus waited. I see it out there. Jesus stood and waited. Waited. It was, a, it was that last thing the man had said. It was the last thing he said. And Jesus saw through the intellectualizing that he was engaged in into the self-righteousness that uh, brought forth the next question on the lawyer's part. Who's my neighbor? Well, set the hook and reel him in. Here comes the parable. Jesus replied with the story you know. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him and beat him and went away half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down that that road, and when he saw him, passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds. Having poured oil and wine on them, he put him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, He took out two denarii, 
gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of them. And when I come back, I will repay you whatever you spent. Well, clearly this icon of, of compassion, this icon of pity, the Samaritan, uh, evidenced in the parable what real sacrificial, real genuine love would look like. He gave not only of his time and of his self, but also his money. The Samaritan's compassion was put into costly action, and it was done so by precisely the one the lawyer would have considered, among other things, not to be a part of the family of God, for that is how the Samaritans were viewed by the Jews in Jesus' day. Now, notice neither of the men uh, traveling the same road as the unfortunate victim in, in the parable today were themselves lawyers. Okay? And I suspect Jesus uh, did that intentionally. He, he knew that had he made either of them a lawyer, the image would have been too overwhelming and off-putting, uh, too close to home for then his words to actually be heard. Jesus wanted to open perspective for the lawyer, not shut off things. So Jesus did not want to shut down the lawyer, but he wanted to lead him. He wanted to lead him. And so Jesus described what? A priest and a non-priest, the Levite. They passed by the man on the road. That 18-mile road that links Jerusalem to Jericho. It's a well-known location. Has always been for robbery and ambush. As that boulder-strewn road falls some 3,000 feet in altitude and 18 miles. It's a tough climb going up to Jerusalem. And it's an equally torturous descent when leaving Jerusalem. Okay, Always leaving the traveler, therefore, at a disadvantage. Jesus ended the parable at this point and returned to the present moment to the very real man standing there with him. And he poses the question, which of these three do you think was neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Now, the lawyer, lawyers are not bad. My son's a lawyer, okay? The lawyer, not a bad man, avoided acknowledging the Samaritan by name, but instead described him as, well, the one who showed mercy. You see, he did know the answer. He knew the answer. What the lawyer lacked, what the lawyer needed, was help in owning the truth that he knew. Whatever the lawyer lacked was insight, prompting Jesus then to say, well then, if you know this truth, you go do the same. You do likewise. And then it is now, like say, lawyers aren't bad people. They just sometimes in their zeal for the law and in service to their clients sometimes lack perspective. For they argue from only one view, their clients. Jesus reframed the lawyer's perspective. The lawyer already knew the truth. You are right. Do this and you'll live. The lawyer already knew the truth. What Jesus was about doing was broadening the lawyer's perspective. Because I think even at this point, Jesus knew that the kingdom of God would itself soon be expanding beyond just the 12 tribes of Israel. Children of the kingdom of God would no longer be of just one type, 
but of many. And though many, those set and destined for the kingdom would not be undefined, unleashed, unlimited, or redefined in the soon-to-be-born church. Upon its coming, the church throughout history has at times itself needed its perspectives recalibrated, and I think we live in such a time as that. Notice I say recalibrated, not redefined. Okay, in its zeal to be faithful over its 20 centuries. The church has at times been admittedly overly simplistic and sometimes too legalistic to the point that some even turned the gospel back into law. I remember in my youth, Maybe it's the 50th anniversary that's coming up of Apollo 11, but I I keep thinking back to those times in my own life. In my youth, when I was in college, there was a large influential campus-based organization that evangelized by advancing the four spiritual laws. (laughs) Four spiritual laws. Salvation by law, that fascinated me. That seems, uh, even as a teen, I wondered, had they not read Galatians? wherein Paul asks about the law and says, Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you would return to the law? Now, conversely, and I think more germane to our time now, our day and age, in some precincts of the postmodern church, and in recent decades to be sure, there has emerged this rush to acceptance and affirmation, Jan, I'm borrowing some of your words, uh, acceptance and affirmation of the interests of a very quickly evolving society. And this phenomenon is not grounded in scripture, but rather it is grounded and based upon feelings and preferences that emanate from a wholly secular source. In the present instance, the church has been willing to compromise its singular and unique voice. That of calling one and all to repentance and then flowing from repentance to proclaim a particular kind of love, a particular kind of forgiveness, always in Christ's name. Into a message seeking rather to be liked or to be popular or to be fair and to be at the forefront of these social evolutions. Such perspective, I would give you, is no less an error than the lawyer's blindness to the Samaritan as being part of the kingdom of God. Elements of the church err when they agree to compromise essentials such as Trinitarian Christian dogma and Judeo-Christian moral underpinnings that have been held for over 3,000 years in order to be popular or, in the more recent phrase, woke. Again, I look back upon the years of my own life. I remember myself as a freshman at Ohio State University. I remember being taught by the professors 
at that university that among my generation's social obligations as they could see it would be to help prepare the world for the next and scientifically sure to come ice age <laughs> how quickly times change huh? individual wants and desires aside in the end I must believe the truth will out not my truth <laughs> but the truth as has become popular in the mantra of a still young 21st century truth that is immutable and revealed in nature and by nature's God and here I note that truth as we had a conversation after worship last week truth that can be spoken by the prophets of old to be sure or in the ones and zeros of today's scientific lexicon truth that is grounded in Genesis or truth that may be written in the 23 chromosome pairs of the human genome and perhaps the oddest of all 21st century twists on freedom it is not so much that people want freedom and their own identity I observe but the loudest voices seem to have come to want your identity your freedom your institutions my identity my freedom and my institutions is a fascinating reversal and kind of Orwellian newspeak traditional identity and traditional institutions have become the forbidden fruit the object of greatest desire to be co-opted taken over in the name of well some higher good that is not exactly defined which generally translates into my good my sense of fairness my sense of right or wrong I observe those in this camp are the loudest and most certain when you listen to them rather like the lawyer in today's lesson believing themselves righteous and with weighty and often profound sounding words voices for tolerance though can quickly become the most intolerant of all thus it falls to the faithful remnant to become the seed of perhaps a new reformation God has often worked through a remnant of the faithful the Old Testament is filled with such examples as early as Genesis where Joseph explained to his treacherous brothers that God sent me before you to preserve you as a remnant on earth to keep alive many survivors modern priests and modern Levites are content to walk down the road past those they now find to be their social or moral inferiors a fascinating reversal of fortunes they are the new lawyers who need their thinking recalibrated that they may become more accepting and receive that which has been handed down at great cost in the church for the church preserve the church since those days when Christ walked the earth so it is let us pray for guidance of the Holy Spirit that we might discern our path into this new and admittedly complex future if we are to be a remnant so be it if we are to be a part of something greater that would be God's will throughout it all however let us remain faithful faithful as a people of Israel sought to be faithful and as were the apostles and martyrs 
who have gone before us, that we too might be part of that ever-widening kingdom of God. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this production of the First Lutheran Church. We welcome you to visit us in person at 512 KL Avenue. You can also find us on Facebook at First Lutheran Church, Miles City, Montana, and email us at flc at midrivers.com.